Hello, you are listening to the Nourish Gut Podcast. This space is for the woman who is suffering from digestive issues like IBS and SIBO. I am your host, Carly Raven. I am a naturopath, clinical nutritionist, gut health expert, and mother. My mission is to help educate you about IBS and SIBO and take you on a journey to resolving your digestive issues. I will have real conversations and give you solutions that I know actually work. So if you're ready to be bloat-free, poo better, have more energy and become free from the fear of food, then you are in the right place. Hello and welcome to episode 17 on the Nourish Gut podcast. Uh, Today I'm coming to you and we're going to be talking all about the underlying causes of SIBO. So there's kind of like a number of things that can lead to you having SIBO. And so many people don't realize some of these underlying causes and I want to talk to them, talk about it today and share it with you because it can be a really massive part in you actually completely resolving the SIBO. So if you don't actually identify the underlying cause of why you might have SIBO in the first place, then you might not be able to get fully better. Because if you don't address that cause and remove it or find ways to manage it, then that could persist in the background of your current treatment and even potentially lead to a relapse in your SIBO. So what I want to do is dive into some of the main areas of um, there's kind of like different categories, I suppose, of what could be causing your SIBO and talk about them a little bit more in depth. So I kind of like to categorize it into three main categories. Um, I look at digestive function and then we look at motility and outward flow in the intestines. And then we also have things like medications and infections. And so essentially what you need to be doing is thinking about this and reflecting about this today as you're listening and just maybe think about your past health history and your current health history and as to whether any of these are going on for you because they actually might be you know giving you clues as to whether you might even have SIBO and if you're currently receiving treatment for your SIBO and not addressing these things then I highly recommend that you look towards doing that. So when it comes to poor digestive function, this is things like low stomach acid, low pancreatic enzymes. You also have what's called brush border enzymes that can become low. And then there's also poor bile flow. It could be low secretory IgA, even just having like a poor microbiome. So the different microbes that are hanging out in your gut. So things like dysbiosis and infection can also lead to having poor digestive function. And also that ongoing stress over time can also start to have negative consequences on digestive function. So what I mean by digestive function is that we actually want to have really optimal digestive function. So all of those things that I just mentioned, we actually want to make sure that they are optimal and functioning really, really well so that you can break down your food in your stomach and um, in your uh, small bowel absorb and then in your large bowel um, also form that stool and not have excess fermentation and dysbiosis and inflammation happening. And when you have good digestive function, the you have uh, a reduced incidence of, you know, 
other gut issues as well. And it's one of those first points of digestion. And so having optimal stomach acid and pancreatic enzymes are so important to break down that food and, you know, prevention of stomach ulcers and um, uh, reflux and avoiding surgeries and things like that. And even infections. So, you know, that, that stomach acid and those enzymes and things like that are there uh, to help combat infection. So a lot of your microbes um, and infections can't go further purely because of the acidic environment in the stomach. So if that's poor and not being produced and functioning properly, then it can cause SIBO. So this is one of the big things I talk about with my patients when I'm working with them is we can't, you know, if you do have IBS or SIBO, you can't just treat the small bowel or the large bowel. We need to be looking at, you know, the entire digestive system, not just, you know, that that small bowel in isolation. Now, I did mention poor motility before, and I do want to talk about this a little bit because when I first learned this, it kind of blew my mind. There's this thing called the migrating motor complex, and what can happen is damage can occur to this migrating motor complex, and I refer to that as the MMC. So moving forward on this podcast episode and in future ones, if I remember talking about the MMC, I am referring to the migrating motor complex there. And so when you get damage to this migrating motor complex, it's almost like an autoimmune response that's happening. And in fact, there are different antibodies that have been shown to be increased and you can now measure them through an IBS smart um, gut test, which is so cool. Um, If you present with uh, IBS um, with diarrhea or predominant uh, SIBO diarrhea, um, you can, I would highly recommend getting tested for these antibodies because, um, you know, those antibodies can be affected the migrating motor complex and therefore the clearance of bacteria in your bowel so it's really really important to be considering that um, and in some cases you know if there is that persistent diarrhea looking at that often it's the onset of an infection that causes that so whether that's gastroenteritis or traveler's diarrhea or something like that um, which majority of the population have experienced so there's a really high incidence of that therefore the likelihood of migrating motor complex issues in the population that i see is really really common and so this actually becomes more about autoimmune ibs or autoimmune SIBO and so we want to know if that's happening for you because that's something that we need to take into consideration uh, along the treatment of your ibs or SIBO um, to prevent that relapse and, you know, looking at, well, how can we support that ongoing to prevent the relapse as well? Um, also things like other autoimmune diseases, um, even things like traumatic brain injuries and spinal injuries can affect the motility of the bowel. Um, an underfunctioning thyroid is a really big one. So that can actually slow down our metabolism. In particular, we're talking about the metabolism of the digestive system and create poor motility and clearance in the bowel. And uh, I did mention infections, so really chronic infections are often the leading cause of poor motility. And then you also have things like diabetes and even mold exposure um, and yeah, mold and like toxin exposure and things like that. So these are all things that we have to take into consideration. Um, and, you know, for example, if you have a chronic infection um, or, you know, chronic um, mold exposure, these are things that we need to take into consideration uh, and treat that alongside the SIBO as well. And really incredible results can be found 
found. So I have had a couple of mold patients um, that have also had SIBO and it was like the puzzle piece that unlocked the the um, improvement for these particular patients. You know, we were kind of seeing improvements when we were just doing the SIBO and I thought, oh, there's something else going on and dug a little bit deeper and um, did some specific questioning around mold and bingo, we found, you know, that there was a very high exposure. So, um, yeah, it, it's interesting that, like, you know, we got to look at these coexisting um, things that are happening with everybody. Now, when it comes to impaired intestinal outflow, we need to be considering this because we want to make sure that the outflow is you know, occurring so that there isn't this buildup, especially when it comes to preventing, you know, a relapse. Um, and this, this could be a little bit tricky because sometimes it involves things like ileocecal valve dysfunctions and even like prior abdominal surgery. So uh, patients that have had like gallbladder appendix removal, um, and there's another one. Oh, hiatus hernia repairs as well. Uh, they're the, probably the three common ones for abdominal surgeries. And so you're actually kind of an increased risk um, of having that impaired intestinal outflow if you've had those. Even if you're someone who has bowel adhesions, um, that can impact the outflow. And a really, really big one is endometriosis. And now we're starting to see that crossover between um, the gut and the female reproductive system. And we know that, you know, when we improve the gut and the microbiome, we can get improvements to endometriosis, which is awesome. But there may be things in isolation when, when we were talking about endometriosis that we also need to be doing. So if you've been diagnosed with endometriosis and you think you have SIBO, you most likely have IBS symptoms because the correlation between the two is really, really high. But we need to be looking at that um, because it's highly likely that if the endometriosis and those adhesions within the reproductive system or even how it can travel up and into the bowel um, is a really big deal, right? And something that we absolutely need to be looking at um, with uh, you, if this is you. So please reach out, um, you know, if you're looking for some more support when it comes to endometriosis and that SIBO connection um, and, and really getting on top of it. And the final uh, category that I mentioned was um, medications, infections. And we've already kind of talked about infections because those infections kind of play a role in all of the other categories, um, especially poor digestive function and poor motility. So, you know, that could be anything from, as I was mentioning, gastroenteritis, um, food poisoning, travelers, um, sickness. So you may have been to Vanuatu or Bali or, you know, anywhere typically to those Asian countries and people picked up a bug um, or just even, you know, an acute round of viral enteritis, uh, gastroenteritis, and you just haven't been well since. So those infections are really, really important. Um, and Dr. Mark Pimitor, he has done some incredible work around that. Um, and he even states that up to 80% of IBS and SIBO can actually be caused from post-infectious um, uh, causes. So it is huge and probably the most important thing that we need to be looking at. Now, when it comes to medication specifically, it's a really big one. The rate of medication use in our Western countries is incredible. Um, most people have used antibiotics at some point in their life. Uh, most women have taken oral contraceptives. 
opiates and uh, narcotics are commonly used, um, you know, along with, um, you know, anti-inflammatories and things like that as well, even antispasmodics. Some of the really top ones that I that I commonly see are oral contraceptive pill, antibiotic use, and reflux medication. So they are referred to as proton pump inhibitors, um, and these tend to have the greatest impact on our digestive system um, and our microbiome as well. Um, and what's actually happening is changes to our microbiome and our digestion, and so. This can also, I probably should mention here, is uh, there's two more medications and that's antidepressants and thyroid medications as well. So if any of my patients come to me and they're on those, I always flag it. And we have discussions around that and, you know, talking about the implications of continued use. Um, and we create a plan that feels right based on your individual goals around those medications. Um, and then we always work with uh, GPs or your specialists and people like that around the advice that you may have and the need. And we kind of evaluate the benefit versus the risk in certain cases for these medications. Um, however, I just think it's really important that we start this conversation and that I be part of that conversation for you guys, because so many people that I see in my clinical practice don't even know that something like the pill um, or your antidepressant um, could be impacting your gut i think most people know that you know proton pump inhibitors and antibiotics can affect the gut because they're you know killing off the bacteria they're reducing stomach acid but that's a well-known thing so i really want to kind of broaden that um, education and knowledge for you guys today and really start getting you to think about the implications um and if you're actively treating that or stuck in the cycle of just feeling like you're never getting better um, that it could actually be these medications and there are other options you know this is the great thing about it is there's so much we can do and often naturally and it doesn't always have to be supplements it can be diet lifestyle and of course when you treat the underlying cause of what's going on we can start to move away from these um, medications and I've just seen it time and time again many of the patients I've worked through with my um who've gone through my Nourish Gut program um, have come off medications and sometimes even multiple ones um, and just feel so good. And most people don't really want to be on medications lifelong. I would say that is one of the top goals that a lot of the patients that I have, you know, they don't want to rely on them to feel good um, because unfortunately they do come with a range of side effects and sometimes the medication themselves can cause something else. So um, I would love to, you know, be part of that conversation further in, in clinical practice if you want to know more and you want support. But please just understand that, um, you know, they are having implications and sometimes they can be the cause for IBS and SIBO, you know, chronic antibiotic use um, for, you know, even I'm talking now triple therapy antibiotic use for things like H. pylori, which is really controversial, um, you know, can do so much damage. And I've had patients come to me who have been through multiple rounds in the span of six to 12 months that have used triple therapy antibiotic use. And this will make your gut worse. It will make you susceptible to further infections. So I think that you know, we have to have this conversation and we have to be proactive um, and, and looking at, you know, other things that we can do is certainly a place to begin. So I hope that that has been really beneficial knowledge for you guys. Um, I 
have currently got the doors to my Nourish Gut program open. Um, it's so exciting. Um, if you feel like you are in a position where you're ready to take the next step and resolve your IBS and SIBO and identify some of these things for you, like what could be causing it, uh, put a plan in place, treat the IBS and SIBO, and then learn how to maintain that and prevent relapse. This is exactly what I do within my Nourish Gut program. It involves a one-on-one -on -one consults and group coaching and online modules and things like that. Um, I would absolutely love you to go and check it out if it feels right for you. I've um, interviewed Catherine and Brittany just recently on the podcast um, about their experience going through the Nourish Gut podcast. So if you haven't yet, sorry, going through the Nourish Gut um, program. So if you haven't yet uh, listened to those episodes and you're kind of sitting on the fence, you're not sure if it's for you, go and listen. Like they are epic, you know, stories about how you can resolve it. And, you know, Catherine was only halfway through the program when I spoke to her last year at the end of the year. Um, and she's just smashing goals and this, that is possible for you. So, so many people are told, you know, that IBS is in your head or, you know, just go away and remove gluten, remove dairy, stop eating FODMAP foods, maybe try a laxative. Um, and sometimes you're told that there's not much that can be done and it's just IBS. And I want you to know that that's not good enough. And there is so much you can do to resolve it and you don't have to suffer. Um, and you know, the symptoms of IBS and SIBO cross over and 80% of IBS sufferers actually have SIBO. If you want to talk to me any more in particular about my Nourish Gut program, please just send me an email. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for listening. And I cannot wait to share some more IBS, SIBO, education, inspiration, and help you guys you know, on the path to resolving that as well. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Did you like what you heard? Please leave me a review. Would you like to join the Nourish Gut community? Then come and find me over on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to know more about how to work with me or how to order a SIBO breath test, jump on my website. All of the links can be found in the show notes. See you next time on the Nourish Gut Podcast.